You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. Let's get more analysis now on the stimulus package that was announced by the South African government last night. Cyril Ramaphosa stood up at the podium at 8.30pm local time and gave us 500 million, sorry, 500 billion South African rand in order to try and restart or stabilise the economy. With me now is Peter Attard Montalto from Intellidex in London. And he sent me a piece late last night that said the following. It said, fiscal bazooka wheeled out, but will it be implementable? A slight sort of hint of cynicism there, Peter. Uh, A little bit. I think the real problem we have here is trying to disaggregate this into what is actually going to happen when, uh, when we basically have uh, a lockdown uh, like this going on. There is very rapid um, uh, economic destruction, uh, basically, which occurs because of the fact that firms don't have cash savings, um, the firms have high fixed costs, etc., Um, And that damage has been done already. This is already four weeks uh, late, so we've already had some economic destruction. Uh, But also, this has been thrown into a widening hole. We shouldn't forget that. Um, The next stage of the lockdown to be announced tomorrow will show uh, a longer period of lighter lockdown through to the peak of the crisis in September. Uh, So we need to really put it into that context. But also the fact that 200 billion of the 500 is from the banks was expected of the uh, funding for lending program, um, then uh, of the rest of it, the hundred billion for job support that has no detail whatsoever. Um, and when you start looking at the rest of it, basically, yeah, that's very necessary things like grant support, etc. But they won't have a ginormous impact on the uh, on the economy. So it's really the two hundred billion from the banks that will move the dial. We think fastest. Yes, indeed. Uh, you say the following. As such, we have only had half the story tonight, and that was, of course, last night. The rest needs to be coloured in. Indeed, one must also fear some raised expectations here now that this somehow solves all problems. It won't, because the hole is growing larger, as you just said. So far, our 9.7% growth forecast uh, for 2020 only accounts for the lockdown ending at the end of April. And you go on. And the the first thing that I thought was, yes, it's it's great. Psychologically, it's pretty good. And the sycophants are saying, uh, isn't Cyril Ramaphosa fantastic and at least he's out there doing something but on the other hand the 500 billion the way it's been sliced up makes you realize that 500 billion is not a lot of money because it disappears quite quickly exactly I think there there are several questions uh, around that the first is that markets can absorb pretty much anything here given the Saab is a backstop with uh, with QE given there is money coming in externally uh, from the IMF, etc. But you have to keep credibility. Um, and basically, the credibility point is still up in the air because investors will, won't give the government any benefits of the doubt on a structural reform agenda that could raise nominal GDP in the medium run to help consolidate uh, the fiscal position back. Uh, the other problem then is that actually you simply can't, I think, um, in any efficient way, reach certain people in the economy uh, that's uh, a function simply of an economy that has a very large uh, portion of the population in the informal and township economies, um, but also to the lack of state capacity. I think that's what we're going to see uh, on the new uh, unemployment benefits. So uh, scaling up existing benefits is very welcome um, by 500 uh, rand a month for the child support grant. Um, but inventing a totally new um, 
unemployment benefit when there are 16 million unemployed people in the country is something that one could imagine would take five years or so to implement. Uh, and I don't think you're going to be able to magically roll that out in any meaningful way between now and October. Let's talk about the funding of this. 500 billion, it's been sliced up and it's been very well documented on various media platforms today. So we don't need to go into that too much. But let's break it down from your point of view. Funding all this is one thing. I mean, it's, it's like taking out a loan. I remember when I was a student, uh, Peter, uh, getting a loan from the bank because, you know, as a student, you need a loan, even, in, even when I was a student. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, it's fantastic. And I felt this huge sense of relief. But then in the days and weeks and months to come, I realized it wasn't such a relief after all because I had to pay it back. How are we funding this? So the funding kind of half adds up here. And I think there's a real question of how filled in all the gaps are, how much colouring in there's been uh, on this, to be honest. And that's why we need an emergency budget that can properly lay out everything in detail. Uh, and we need that pretty quickly, I think, to keep markets um, on the side. But the, the, key, uh, the key largest component is we're now adding in $10.7 billion uh, of offshore official sector funding, um, which uh, is a, certainly a big psychological step that South Africa is getting over to go to the IMF, uh, but for conditionality-free money. Um, and that basically is going to be the rapid financing instrument, which South can get $4.2 billion uh, from there is no real conditionality around that in the normal evil Washington consensus, you know, sort of come and steal your children sort of uh, conception of the IMF. Um, but there is still a requirement to have a credible fiscal plan in place, uh, which there isn't at the moment. Uh, that will come, it will take time. I think it will take about two months to activate the, the RFI from the IMF. And then the rest of it we see basically from uh, the New Development Bank, um, so Africa can get one billion of health funding and then three billion from something called the uh, RCA facility there, um, which is conditionality free money. And then the rest will be made up by the World Bank and the African uh, Development Bank. So that's the big, massive chunk of new funding uh, that's coming through. But on top of that, we're going to have to see um, people uh, like UIF buying more government bonds. Uh, that was hinted at last night. And then a big step up in SAGB, some of the African government bond issues. Uh, as well. There we are sceptical um, of quite how much they can increase issuance. We pencil in 25% increase, which is a lot considering the SAC is falling out of the Wigby index next week. Um, but basically all taps are having to be opened and all barrels are going to be have to have to be scraped to make this add up. The key additional new component is the COVID bond, uh, which government is, is considering um, and which uh, which Intellidex has been working on. Okay, you'll keep us in touch with that, I'm sure. I'm just uh, scribbling a few things down here. And I'm looking at um, the situation would have been a year ago and thinking to myself, well, actually, maybe even uh, four months ago when the round was 14 to the US dollar. And I thought to myself, well, there were problems in South Africa, but um, things were relatively calm. International markets were doing okay. Emerging markets were also uh, in line with their international peers, also behaving themselves. But now... 
I look at what happened last night. We've got a stimulus package, which is 500 billion, which has to be funded and has to be paid back, whether it be locally or internationally. You've still got Eskom. Eskom is still there, although it's been pushed to the uh, to the second and third page of newspapers. South African Airways is very much there. Uh, the Land Bank has suddenly come to the fore as well, and that's suddenly a problem. Uh, we've got a recession. Uh, and a recession that will deepen over the next few months. It doesn't matter what anybody says. No matter how optimistic you are, the recession is going to be with us for months and months, not just a technical recession, a proper recession. Then we've got the SARS revenue shortfall, uh, GDP, I've mentioned that. It just seems to me that we've got lots and lots of things to worry about suddenly, whereas we only had a few things to worry about before. So there is a big, massive repayment problem clearly here, uh, raising all this additional uh, debt, even if it's at very low interest rates. And so uh, your debt service costs on things like an IMF loan, maybe for only 1% uh, a year or so, uh, you're going to then have a problem uh, paying this money back in three years or so, uh, or however long you're taking your, your RFI for. Uh, so there are massive funding cliff edges out there. Um, which, remember, in a normal conception of an IMF plan, uh, you would be um, uh, having massive structural reform, a crowding in a private sector investment. Your country would have gone through a massive crisis, a devaluation. FDI would be flooding in. That's not going to happen here. Uh, and so we're going to be left with these uh, huge funding requirements for re, uh, principal repayment in the future with an economy that has more limited fiscal space after the crisis and more limited revenue space. Uh, and this is basically where stuff doesn't start adding up. Um, this is where you need um, a reset. Um, now, there are a lot of things globally that could happen. The IMF could write off debt. I think that's unlikely. Um, the ultimate backstop for all this is going to have to be the Saab uh, ultimately doing real QE, I think. Mm. Which they said they're um, not so that, that keen on behind the scenes anyway. But now is the time, of course, to really initiate some fairly dramatic fiscal and regulatory reforms, don't you think, Peter? So, yes and no. The problem with the shift in the budget that's going on is there is this 130 re billion reprioritization that's been promised. But actually, doing that is going to cause huge destruction across the budget. Um, and you will have to be probably cutting good things that are being are necessary, like even infrastructure, in order to prioritize this. Um, there's simply no other way to start parceling around the budget without also cutting some good things. Um, it's so hard in the budget to find and simply extract the corruption and everything else. Um, and that's going to be the massive problem, I think, um, the distraction for government and the sort of time off, if you like, before they can really address some of those underlying issues. But that also speaks to stage three of the economic package, which the president hinted at last night. Uh, and there's lots of talk about infrastructure spending uh, and uh, massive um, uh, structural reform programs to come. Uh, and, you know, I said very bluntly to the government this morning that we give no benefit of the doubt whatsoever on this, that we've been so disappointed so many times and we've been dealing with the sheer um, you know, craziness of, uh, of the Minister of Mineral Resources and Energy and his department and NERSA and ESCOM uh, so much and disappointed so much in the last two years that there is no no one is going to give benefits of the doubt uh, on the structural reform programme to come. We'll have to see it to believe it. Yes, well said. Peter, thank you very much for your time. Peter Atomotalto is the Head of Capital Markets Research at Intellidex in London. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position 
or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer, or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.